Oh, I'm Eddie Least. I'm an alcoholic. And, uh, very happy to be here tonight. Uh, and, uh, I think you ought to tell people about a week before they get here, or maybe even the afternoon before they get here. Uh, gives you time to think about it. But uh, I'd like to say happy birthday to Cheryl. She has been real special in my life. And uh, happy birthday to Reggie today. It's a belly button birthday, but Reggie's been a part of my life for a long time, too. Um, let's see. Well, I grew up, I was born in Macon, Georgia. And uh, I grew up in a pretty good-sized family. I had four brothers and one sister. My dad was uh, ex, uh, he was a staff sergeant Marine Corps, and I fought in the Korean War, and uh, like everybody else, he came home and made a large family, and uh, raised Southern Baptists, and, uh, you know, I, I look back at that now, and I'm, I'm glad that I had God in my life, you know, even then. Uh, but, you know, I was the middle middle child. I had two older brothers, two younger brothers, and my sister was the oldest. So I've got the middle child syndrome. And um, But growing up, for me, you know, it, I had a good family. You know, I, I really didn't. I didn't have any drinking in my family. Uh, we went to church three times a week uh, up till the time I was 15 years old. And uh, at that point... My parents gave us a choice, me and my older brother, Buster, which me and him was pretty close growing up, and, and he was old enough to drive, so uh, that's really when I uh, quit going to church and uh, didn't really get back in, well, never have really got back into it uh, until I got back to this program and I uh, found the God of my understanding. Um, had a you know normal high school I, in high school probably at age uh, sixteen started experimenting with uh, drugs didn't really drink my brother Buster he started drinking when he was like twelve years old and uh, I kind of watched him and I really didn't want anything to do with alcohol but you know by the time he was eighteen years old he had totaled five cars and. Uh, I knew I really didn't want that, so I really didn't start drinking until uh, after I moved out. At 18, I moved out, and uh, I guess uh, I guess I was codependent then. Mark appreciates that one there. Uh, I'd been dating. My high school sweetheart was my first wife, and uh, at 18... Her family was from California, and uh, they were moving back to California. They'd been in Georgia for about, you know, I guess four or five years, and they were moving back to California. And so I turned 18. Three days later, I moved to California, uh, followed her family out there, and uh, lived with her family a couple of years, ended up getting married, uh, didn't didn't last very long. We were married for a couple of years, and uh, you know, by the time I'd been out there three years, I was ready to get back to Georgia. And uh, we moved back to Georgia, and it wasn't long after that we got divorced. Uh, 
and that's pretty much when my drinking started. Uh, I don't know if it was, you know, not, you know, that that fear of going out and meeting other people or or whatever. And when I moved to California, I think it was uh, the drinking age was 18 in Georgia. When I moved out to California, it was 21. So I really couldn't drink legal out there. And then when I moved back here is it really when I started uh, drinking on a regular basis. Uh, hmm. uh, well, you know, after that, I, I guess I stayed single for about three years. And uh, I was from a small town. You know, we moved to the outskirts of Macon, which is a little town called Lizella. And uh, my parents had a nice house sitting on the hill, and uh, it was a small county, and, uh, you know, everybody knew us. Uh, my mom was uh, the clerk up at the courthouse. And uh, after, the, well, the, the night my divorce was final from my first wife, I, uh, I got my first DUI. And I'd been to town, never drank liquor. You know, I'd, I'd had a few beers. Uh, but I never, never drank liquor, and, and that night I drank liquor, and I had my first blackout. Uh, I woke up, I was in a ditch. The state patrol was, you know, pulling me out of the car, and took me down to the county jail where I spent the night. Didn't really even know that I spent the night, you know. And I woke up that morning, and uh, like I said, my mom worked at the courthouse, and the sheriff knew me as soon as he saw me, and you know, asked me what I was doing in there which uh, I really didn't know. <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, you know, that was my first DUI. And uh, at that time, it cost me, I think, maybe $200, you know, and that was it. You know, I had a wrecked truck. But, uh, but uh, you know, for some reason, you know, I didn't even recognize that blackout. And I really didn't recognize it till I got into AA and, and uh, you know, started looking back. And I uh, realized the first time I drank liquor, I blacked out. And uh, so, I, you know, I, I dated around the county there and uh, <laughs> had a lot of fun, really. But, uh, you know, it, I quit doing other things that I'd been doing, you know, the drugs. And uh, I basically started drinking. And... Uh, and from that point, <laughs> fifty dollar fine. <laughs> uh, Sorry, that's okay. Uh, but you know, I, I started dating around there, and things really didn't get any better as far as uh, my life in the small town. After going to California and moving back to this little small town, uh, things were, you know, just really too simple for me and I, I my sister had moved to Atlanta and she'd been up here a few years and uh she came came down there one weekend and just told me to pack my stuff that I was going to Atlanta so I packed my stuff and came to Atlanta um which I found when I got here that there was you know there was plenty to do uh, I was hanging out down off of 285 at Charlie Magruder. Some of you might remember that place. And uh, <laughs> up and down. 
hung out in Sandy Springs at, uh, you know, Scooter's Cowboy Bar, and uh, it was really, you know, I enjoyed uh, dressing up like a cowboy and going out on the town. And uh, even back in the disco days, I did that. You know, I, I stuck out like a sore thumb. But uh, uh, you know, it got to be you know it was uh, you know two or three nights a week type of thing. I, you know, I grew up in an era where you lived a party. I mean, you know, that's what you worked for. You. You work so you could go out on the weekend and have a good time. And uh, even then, I, I really knew I was drinking too much, but I didn't really think nothing about it. Because uh, there was many nights that I, you know, I was living on East Cobb and I was driving home from Sandy Springs and stuff. Just shouldn't have been driving. And, uh, you know, I never got a DUI for that, but I... I never had any money either, you know. I've, I've always worked all my life, and uh, I do construction work. I'm a carpenter, the son of a carpenter. And uh, my wife thought that was funny. <laughs> uh, but, you know, being in construction, you know, you had your days. And uh, I always worked hard, and I always drank hard. Uh, and, it, you know, it didn't really start off drinking the hard stuff. I, you know, I was a beer drinker for years, and uh, but I always had one. You know, I had to have at least one beer a day. Uh, that was, you know, part of my M.O., I guess. And uh, as time went on, I was uh, working in a, for a company that remodeled Kroger stores, and uh, that's where wife number two come along. Uh, she was working there at the time, and I was, uh, I was there a lot. Worked a lot of hours, and uh, you know, I can remember back then, you know, getting dressed in the parking lot, you know, going out and partying at night, and and you know, just getting there at 7 a.m. ready to go to work, you know, and changing out in the car and go to work, uh, eating some eating some drugs, you know, some speed. Uh, I never really got into the downers or acid or none of that stuff, but I always wanted something that could help me drink a little more and party a little more, and. Uh, but, you know, I started seeing this girl, and uh, we fell in love. And it uh, wasn't long after that, uh, I found out that I had a son. And uh, so we got married, and uh, she had two kids. Uh, had a, she had a son that was three and a daughter that was seven. So at age 26, I'm raising three kids. Um, same, you know, same thing. I'm still in construction. I'm still working every day, and uh, I, I wasn't even considering myself an alcoholic at the time. Uh, I probably was, and I was a functioning alcoholic because you know I did get up and go to work every day. Um, and you know that was that was some really hard times. Raising three kids, she didn't work. Uh, living in Roswell, Georgia at the time, and uh, I don't know, that's, that's really where my everyday drinking kind of started taking off, because uh, I didn't miss a day, I, you know, it was uh, Sundays or Saturdays, you'd always make sure you had enough to get you through Sunday, and um uh, 
you know, we, we did all right for a while. You know, we was living in nice homes. I, I'd rented all my life, and, uh, you know, we was renting nice homes. I was paying seven, eight hundred dollars a month rent. And, uh, raising these kids. And, uh, you know, I, I really felt like I was doing pretty good, you know. Uh, or doing what I thought, I don't know if it's what I thought God wanted me to do or what my parents expected me to do or what, you know, but uh, I was doing it. And uh, at that time, I was working for myself, and uh, I started running siding crews, framing crews, uh, doing new construction. Kids kids were growing. You know, we was uh, playing sports. Kids, the boys played ball. Uh, daughter was into gymnastics and... Uh, you know, it was just, it was taking everything that I could make, really, to, uh, you know, to get by, especially with my drinking, because I had to have that. And um, at that time in my life, I'd, I'd quit all the drugs completely, but, you know, the alcohol was there for me. And, uh, you know, I can, at that point in my life, I was stopping by bars, you know, on the way home and uh, getting trashed before I got home from work and... Uh, I got into a habit of drinking peppermint snobs and uh, chasing it with Budweiser's. And uh, I did that for probably four or five years. That was a pattern for me. And uh, it was something about that peppermint snobs when you, when you took that big chug of it. When it hit your stomach, I mean, it was working. It was really working. <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, for me... You know, I didn't really realize what it was doing and and how it was kind of taking over my life. Uh, it was it, it really snuck up on me because it you know it wasn't long after that. You know, it was uh, I got to the point with the drinking that I got real big too because the peppermint snobs and the beer. Uh, I got up to about 240 pounds. I'm not tall enough to carry that kind of weight. <laughs> and, uh, I looked like the Pillsbury Doughboy. I actually had three chins, and uh, I don't see how I did it back then because I was up and down working and stuff, and I, don't, I really don't see how I got around. But uh, my good alcoholic thinking was that's about the time I quit drinking the peppermint snobs, and I started thinking, well, I need to lose some weight, you know, so... I started drinking scotch <laughs> because, you know, I can mix that with water or, you know, some ice cubes and it's like a diet drink. And, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, you know, that's my alcoholic thinking. And, uh, you know, from from that point, I was living in Roswell and, you know, and raising the kids and everything and, uh, I really didn't do anything besides that. You know, I, I would stay at home. I was, uh, you know, I had my armchair here and my remote control. And my cooler would be sitting beside the, you know, the chair sometimes and most of the time. And, uh, you know, I was just raising kids. And uh, I was really lucky back in those days because I was going by the bars in the afternoon, too, that, that I, I didn't get in a lot of trouble, you know. And... Uh, Let's see. Then we decided 
Well, a lot of my work was moving out toward uh, uh, Woodstock. I started trimming, doing interior trim on houses, and I, so we moved out to Woodstock and uh, did the same thing. We're in a pretty nice home. Uh, got into the sports and stuff out there at South Cherokee Recreation. Huh? <laughs> Cheryl's good about telling me what to do, so I'll speak up a little bit. Uh, she's always been good about that. Uh, but at that time, you know, I started coaching little league ball. I was, uh, both of my boys were playing ball and football and baseball mostly, and some basketball. But, uh, you know, I was out there coaching these kids, and uh, before I went, I always had a couple of drinks, you know. And uh, I never really realized that, you know, that it was affecting me out there. And uh, we had a pretty good team. I mean, we were never criticized for anything. or uh, and, and I'd actually seen other coaches that they banned from the park because they were drinking and hollering at kids and stuff. And, uh, you know, I was very lucky at, at that point in my life because that never happened. And... Uh, but you know, when you got a winning team, nobody really questions you. And, uh, but I can remember going to all-star tournaments and stuff, and uh, I wouldn't stay with the team. I go stay in another hotel, you know, away from the team, you know, and uh, that's because I wanted to do my drinking. And, and at that point, it really, you know, it had gotten pretty bad uh, because I was an everyday liquor drinker you know I, I was I hadn't started drinking in the morning and I hadn't started drinking you know by lunch at that point but I, you know I, I still when I got home I was going to have a drink and uh, no matter what and uh, I can remember taking the kids to Six Flags and taking them out there and turning them loose at Six Flags but I'd go back to the car because that's where I kept my liquor at and uh I just wouldn't go anywhere without liquor, and and like I said, it was something that you know, hell, I thought everybody lived like that. Um, but it wasn't long after that, and, you know, the kids were getting older. Uh, the son that was three when I married his mom, he was thirteen at the time, and uh, I don't know, work got kind of slow, and my drinking kind of picked up. And, and at one point, I was making pretty good money. I mean, I, I was making enough to drink. And uh, But I guess it was 1989, we had a recession that kind of came through the area. And uh, I had ten builders that I was trimming houses for, and, and none of them had anything going on. You know, and I've been working for these guys five or six years at the time, and, and all of a sudden, there's no work. And uh, so the best, you know... I did what I knew best. I stayed at home and drank. And uh, I got a DUI in 1990. I registered .38 that day. Uh, and I was taking my son, at the time was 13, to football practice over at Etowah. And uh, I pulled up at the gas station over at the corner of Highway 5 and 92, pumped my gas. Went in to pay for it. When I walked out, the sheriff was standing there, you know, and he says, 
uh, you're walking kind of funny, ain't you, son? And I said, nope, you know. And uh, so he gave me a sobriety test, uh, which I flunked. <laughs> and uh, they were really nice enough to call my wife to come get my son at the, at the gas station. And they put me in the car, and they took me to the hospital. And... Uh, they said, you're not going to die on us before you go to jail. We're going to take you to the hospital first, have you checked out, and then we'll take you to jail. And they were really pretty nice. And, and at that point, I think I was already starting to surrender because, you know, I was telling the cops, you know, about my drinking problem and, uh, <laughs> you know, all the problems that I had. And, and they were really, they really were pretty nice to me. I, I but uh, it wasn't long after that, you know, that I got the DUI, you know, and I got the I got the lawyer, and you know, they put it off for two or three months, like they do nowadays, and uh, I ended up going. Well, I, I I didn't have anything to drink. I didn't have any money. I didn't have any work, and uh, that was one way of God, you know, God got me here. Uh, because without that, I, I went into the DTs. And uh, I can remember sitting in my home, just curled up in a chair, uh, you know, in a fetal position. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, you know, I think it was at that point where I called out, you know. God for help, and I hadn't, uh, mm, I hadn't called out to God in a long time. But uh, apparently, He heard me, and uh, at that time, my uh, my brother-in-law was a preacher, and uh, he was a preacher over in Smyrna, and he came and got me, and uh, he took me to a detox center. I went up to ADAC up in Dalton, Georgia. I, I really didn't, um, I don't remember a whole lot about it, really. I was there for five days. First uh, first three days, I was on whatever they give you, the vitamins, the medication, all that crap. And uh, I remember coming to and uh, sitting around a table at group, which, you know, I, I never heard a word about AA there. Uh, so... I'd signed myself in, and on that fifth day, you know, I was sober enough. I was ready to go. So I uh, I got out of there, and uh, I didn't drink for three weeks. You know, that's the longest I hadn't drank in a long time. And uh, But I did. I finally picked up again. And I drank up till the day I went to court, which was uh, October the 19th, 1990. Uh, I drank up to about 2 o'clock in the morning before I had been in court at 9 o'clock next morning. And I got in court, and I remember standing in front of the judge, you know, going through the DTs again, you know, shaking like a leaf. And uh, and it, it's really amazing what people go through today. Uh, they let me keep my license. They let me... Uh, I didn't serve any jail time. And, uh, mm, 
I don't like to get emotional. This is some emotional stuff. But, uh, you know, God was with me there. Uh, and, you know, and I finally got back, uh, got back from court. Still had my license. I still needed to do something. I mean, you know, my life at home was really bad. Uh, and, uh, I picked up the phone book, you know, and that that's how I found the Howl place, you know. I'd never really, you know, I'd never heard of AA. I'd never, you know, I'd heard of it, but, you know, I didn't think, you know, there was any around here. And, uh, you know, and there's a thousand a day in the Atlanta area, you know. Uh, but I, I picked up that phone book and somebody answered at the Howl place. I ain't got a clue who it was. They told me when the meetings were, so uh, I went to my first meeting. I remember sitting in the I had an old brown station wagon at the time, and I sit out in my brown station wagon, and uh, somebody came over and said, the meetings are in the house, or in the building here. And uh, so I got out, and I went to my first meeting. Uh, and, you know, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Uh, I sat down by a guy named Big Frank Earp and uh, had tattoos all over his arms and uh, a real rough guy. He'd been to prison, you know. There's a few other guys who'd been to prison. Uh, like I said, I'd spent the night in jail. <laughs> I didn't remember that. And, you know, my, when, when they took me to jail for my second DUI, you know, I, I stayed six hours. That's the longest I ever stayed. And uh, I remember walking in Cherokee County Jail, and there was this guy down there having an epileptic fit. You know, when I walked in the door, he was doing his thing, man. And, you know, it was it was weird. But, uh, you know, I got to the Howe place, and uh, it was part of my probation. Uh, they gave me two meetings a week for a year it was part of my probation. Which, uh, once I got there, I knew I was in the right place. Uh, I heard, you know, people sharing about hiding bottles, you know, stuff like that, which, you know, it didn't start out that way, but, you know, toward the end, that's what I was doing. I was hiding bottles. I was, uh, I always say in meetings, you know, I'd, I'd take a pint and slide it down the front of my pants. Because I knew my wife wouldn't look there for it, but, you know. <laughs> but, uh, and, you know, living, living that life. Uh, and my 13-year-old son, mm, you know, he didn't hardly talk to me for about a year. And uh, that was hard. Well, hell, nobody was talking to me, you know. And uh, when I got to AA, I heard laughter. And that's something I hadn't heard in a long time. And uh, I seen men hugging men, which I didn't really know about that stuff at the beginning. <laughs> I love it today, you know. Uh, but I got in there, and I really, you know, my first three or four months, 
I don't remember a whole lot. Uh, I just remember a lot of faces. And some of those faces are here. Uh, I started working these steps, and I started being a part of AA. I started, uh, I think right at six months, I started chairing meetings. Uh, I got a sponsor. I still have the same sponsor. Uh, I could talk an hour about his life, because it's amazing. Uh, and I was living, you know, I was living in Woodstock in this house, and I was fixing to get evicted out of it. Uh, and this was my first year of sobriety, and uh, they told me to pray about it, you know, pray about it. And, uh, you know, I started taking these suggestions, which, uh, you know, needed to be taken, and uh, I ended up moving three blocks over in the same neighborhood and you know and the house was better than the one I lost you know it was just one of those first miracles that you know in my sobriety um, because I came to meetings and I shared where I was at and I even had people in A to help me move you know and I never had that and uh, so I'm you know I moved into this new place and uh, I'm going to meetings and at the time, my first year, I was doing two, three meetings every day, you know. That's what it took. Uh, I still like to do two or three. I did two today. <laughs> but uh, my life started getting better. And, uh, well, things started changing anyway. Uh, I found out in my second year of sobriety that I was a diabetic. Uh, so now I can't drink. I can't eat. <laughs> my wife hates my guts. And uh, But I'm going to meetings every day. And uh, I'm working this program. Uh, I'm, I'm taking suggestions from people like Charlie. Where are you at, Charlie? There he is. Charlie helped me so much. Uh, and my life did start getting better. And at, at that point, uh, at about two and a half years, uh, I got this knock on my door. And uh, my daughter had called and said, uh, Internal Revenue is at the front door. And they want to they wanna talk to you. And... Uh, which, you know, I'd gotten, I'd gotten way behind with them. So, you know, I go to meetings and I'm crying about that. And I'm, you know, talking about all this stuff happening in my life. And uh, they said, well, you know, you got to face your fears. you got to, you know, you got to face this thing. And uh, they wanted me to come down. And it was like two days later they wanted me in their office. So, you know, I went down to see them. And... Uh, at that point, you know, I'd surrendered. I'd done a lot of surrendering at that point to a lot of different things, and that was one of them. And, uh, you know, I figured, well, I could start some meetings up, you know, at the Federal Pen or whatever, you know. <laughs> <coughs> but, you know, i got to face this thing. So I went down, and, you know, I walked in a, a big room that had a lot of little small cubicles, and uh, there was a young lady that 
had all my information, and uh, you know I took took all my paperwork up there, money coming in, money going out, and all that stuff. And uh, and she looked at me. She said, "We don't see how you're raising three kids." And I said, "Yeah, you know that's why I'm here." And uh, they told me if uh, if I didn't inherit any money or I didn't hit the lotto over a period of time, you know, this would disappear. And it disappeared. It's about $40,000. And, uh, you know, that's another miracle in my life. So I'm seeing all these things happening, you know, and I'm believing that it's a God of my understanding that's, you know, helping me on the way. Uh, and, and a little bit after that, my stepdaughter, which I call her my daughter, I raised her from the time she was seven. Uh, she was going to get married, and uh, she asked me to give her away. Mm. And that was very special. It really was. Uh, and I did. It was crazy, you know. I had to come to meetings and talk about that, too, because it was going to rain that weekend, and she had it. <laughs> She had it up at the Marietta Square, and, um, you know, up under, we were up under one of the um, little little things out there. And uh, and even at meetings, somebody had said, well, you know, that wedding's going to be real special because you're going to look out, and uh, there's going to be all kind of different color umbrellas, you know. It's going to be a very special wedding. And it was. You know, I've got the pictures of all the little umbrellas that were opened up. <laughs> and uh, so I got to give her away. And uh, she married a, a gentleman that was in the army. He was getting out of the army. And I uh, felt like she she's still married to him today. Uh, and then I had my stepson, which he's my son. Uh, at that time, he was... 16, 17 years old. Same one that was with me when I got my DUI. Uh, he came in one day and told me I wasn't nothing but a effing drunk. And uh, so I escorted him to the front door and um, he swung at me, hit the brick wall, tore his hand all up. And uh, he decided to go live with his real dad, which had never had anything to do with him. And uh, he came back about three weeks later and found out there was rules there, too. And uh, then he went on his way. Uh, about that time, I got divorced, and uh, I was about three years sober. And uh, he, at the time, he was... Uh, he was very good in football. He had colleges wanting him to come play for him, and uh, he was a senior at Etowa in the paper every week. And uh, he got into drugs and, uh, you know, women and uh, quit school. But at that time, I, I, I really wasn't, I wasn't there. Uh, I'd moved out, and I'd moved in with somebody in the program. Uh, one of the one of the first people I'd met when I got to AA, he told me, he said, you know, come live with me. He lived on Lake Altoona. He said, come live with me. If you can't afford it right now, don't worry about it. And uh, 
so I did that. And, you know, the, the divorce was pretty hard. Uh, like I said, I've been going to a lot of meetings, and uh, I don't think I ever went to too many, but she thought I went to too many. And uh, and she ended up getting a friend at work, and uh, it was kind of hard. Uh, and with my first wife, she ended up, Mary and my best friend in high school's brother about three days after the divorce was final. And this one got married three days after the divorce was final. And, uh, you know, so, you know, relationships, finances, and romances. <laughs> I've had a hard time. But uh, it's getting a lot better, and, and my story gets better. Uh, you know, at this point, I'm, I'm, I'm really doing, I'm doing a lot of meetings, and I, and I need every one of them. Uh, and my son, uh, when I got divorced, my, my son that we had together was nine years old. And, uh, that was hard. Uh, I was seeing him paying child support and doing what I was supposed to do. You know, that's what this program taught me to do. Uh, and, uh, I stayed single for about three years and I, you know, I dated some women in the program and uh, some that wasn't in the program. Uh, and I finally got to the point with that, which I, I'd, I'd moved out of the guy's house on Altoona and I'd moved in with somebody else in the program. Uh, some of you know him, Casey. I moved in with Casey. He had two, two young boys, a couple of dogs, had a family atmosphere, and I felt good there. I, you know, I missed the kids. And, uh, but I got into the point with relationships where, you know, I said, God, whatever, you know, I, I'm, you know, it's up to you because I'm, I'm not looking anymore. And, uh, Cheryl used to be my, where you at, Cheryl? <laughs> Cheryl was my relationship sponsor. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, we had, we had some softball going too at the Howe place and, uh, you know, that kept me busy for a while too because I was real active in that and, uh, we had a ball. We did it for about six years around there. Uh, we had a co-ed team that took first place one year at Hopgood Park. Uh, but, uh, yeah, sure. I don't know if she was a real good relationship sponsor, but, uh, <laughs> I went out with this lesbian one time, and she didn't. Uh, she didn't try to stop me. <laughs> but I figured, you know, I'd just change her over, you know. Uh, <laughs> but you know, life life went on, and uh, my life was slowly getting better, you know. And uh, I was still in this surrender mode because I, I think I've always been in that since I've got here. Uh, And then uh, my third wife came into the picture, which is, uh, I watched her come in the rooms. I watched her get sober. And I didn't mess with her. Uh, <laughs> too much. Uh, <coughs> I won't even tell the story about the two tickets that uh, to the concert that I had. And she said she had to wash her hair or something, but... Uh, <laughs> Had front row seats to see Brooks and Dunn, but uh, <laughs> still have the tickets at the house. Uh, I didn't go to it. I came to a meeting. 
but me and Kay started dating, and, and we really didn't rush into anything. We, we dated for a while, and uh, we fell in love, and uh, we got married, and we've got this little girl just around here somewhere. And, uh, you know, that's that's been one of the, the great blessings that I have today. And, uh, you know, all the kids that, that have been a part of my life, you know, my stepkids and and my son, uh, you know, they all went through their phases with drugs and alcohol, and, and they're all past that right now. I hope they stay that way. Um, my stepdaughter, she never had a problem at all with any of it. Uh, she's got three kids. Uh, they call me G-Daddy, <laughs> and, uh, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, but after me and Kay got married, you know, we uh, still did a lot of meetings. Always done a lot of meetings. Uh, we ended up moving. Her brother had a place off of Glade Road. Had a double wide over there, and uh, we moved into it. Kaylee was born, raising our baby. Uh, life was good. I got a new truck, you know. Uh, and, and, you know, I... For a long time, I've seen all these other people in the program, you know, getting new vehicles and getting homes and all this stuff, you know, and I'm thinking, well, you know, when's it my turn? Uh, but, you know, it comes in God's time. And uh, we've, we've lived over there a couple of years, I guess, and uh, there was one afternoon, I remember, you know, just talking to God, because I talked to God a lot. I said, you know, God, if... If, you know, if it don't get any better, if it don't get any better than this, this is okay. And uh, wasn't a month after that, I got a call to go look at a a job out in Taylorsville, Georgia, which is about 20 miles out of Cartersville, going toward Rockmart, and. Um, it was a friend of my sister's, and it was a home. She had the house for sale. And uh, one of the rooms had burned. She'd had a son that was living there using the place as a party house. And uh, one of the bedrooms had burned. He'd left the heater on. And uh, it really didn't do any structural damage. And uh, she called me out there to look at it to fix it. Well, at that time, the guy that had had a contract on it, he didn't want it anymore. You know, so I got to looking at the place, and I mean, it's five acres of land with a little farmhouse. Uh, an acre around the house is five foot high chain link fence. It sits on uh, 113 out there on a the main drag. And, uh, you know, I just fell in love with the place. And uh, we got to talking to her. And it wasn't because of my credit getting any better. Uh, she owner financed the house. And, uh, you know, it was perfect. It had the fence. We had Kaylee. You know, we could turn her loose in the yard. Didn't have to worry. Um, so we took the house. She owner financed it for 15 years. She gave me $7,000 of the insurance money to, you know, fix the place back up with. And I, I do remodeling for a living is what I do for a living. And, uh, 
you know, it, that's another one of those miracles. Um, I took the 7,000, I redid the whole inside of the house, you know, carpet, hardwood floors, everything. And um, I still hadn't painted the outside of it, but, <laughs> you know, that got us in the house. And, uh, you know, that was six years ago. And uh, never been laid on a payment, you know. And that's a miracle in itself. But, you know, that's just one of the things that, you know, I never expected out of life. I never expected to own a home. Uh, and really, you know, it, I didn't, I wasn't the kind of drunk that, you know, was on Skid Road. I'd always, you know, had a place to stay. I've always I've been blessed that way. I could have been there, I guess, but... Uh, but my thinking, you know, my thinking is what got me here. Uh, the drinking helped, but, you know, and, and the thinking today is, is what I've got to really, I still mean, you know, I need a lot of meetings. Uh, I, don't know, uh, I don't know where I'm at or what time it is, but uh, I hope it ain't 15 minutes after I started. <laughs> uh, but you know today uh, I, the meeting one of the meetings I was at today you know it's about 12 step you know and, and I think I've always done that and uh, and I really enjoy that uh, I've got a couple of guys I sponsor now that came into my life about three months ago and uh, I needed them you know I really did uh, and friends, you know, I look, I look at all of you. I know most of you, a lot of you. Uh, and I've had a lot of good times in sobriety. Uh, when I was living with Casey and I was single, we went, that was in 1994, we all went to Woodstock. They had the 25th anniversary of Woodstock up in New York. And uh, Casey's, uh, he sells hats, T-shirts, and all that stuff well, there was about ten of us from the Howe place that went up there, and we got up there two days before it started and stayed two days after it ended. And uh, we all stayed sober up there, and it was, it was really a great, I had a great time. Uh, we had seven tractor-trailer loads full of stuff to sell, and we just about <laughs> sold it all. Um, and we got there, I can remember going out there, and they had stacks of plywood for building things And uh, before everybody got there. And we, we didn't know what to do, you know. We, we figured we had to have a place uh, to have a meeting. So we went out and got on a stack of plywood out there, and, and we just started having our own meetings, you know, right out there in the middle of the field. And uh, once it all started up, they came out with some flyers and stuff. And there was a, they had tents with different things on them. And they had a tent there with a circle and a triangle on it. So they had AA meetings, and uh, they had them every hour on the hour for all three days of the, uh, you know, of that. And uh, I actually got to chair a meeting there, and that was, that was really cool. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if I... Brambled, uh, you know, it's it's been a full life, uh, and it took every bit of that stuff to get me here. And today, you know, 
I'm living a good life. I'm, I'm, I care about people. I love people. Couldn't do without people. Uh, and I really wasn't nervous about coming up here because I know y'all my friends, you know. And uh, and the beautiful thing about this deal is I get to keep meeting them. And uh, just in July and uh, the first week in August, I went up and worked to the uh, a lake house up in Seneca, South Carolina, which is the first exit off of 85. And when I got up there, it's one of my customers is... Uh, <coughs> They own a house down in Midtown, which is where most of my work is. I've been I've been on one street in Midtown for about ten years down there doing remodeling, and uh, I've been blessed in a lot of ways there too. But uh, this couple bought a house up there, and I, and I went up and worked on it. And the first day I got there, you know, I'm staying in this three hundred fifty thousand dollar home. It's got a refrigerator full of beer. It's got two half gallons of liquor sitting there. And, uh, you know, the first thing I did is found the phone book. And uh, and I, I called up the AA. And uh, I went to a meeting every day up there in Seneca, South Carolina. And it, it was a very small meeting. And it, it, it was exactly what I needed. Uh, and it kept me sober. And, uh, you know... July the 15th, I celebrated 11 years, and uh, it's been a good life, and uh, you know, I had three and a half years and went back out. I stayed out for six months, and, and I found out when I went back out, nothing had changed. It was all the same. Uh, it, actually, it was a little worse, and, uh, and that's what they say about this disease. It's a very progressive disease. And uh, even when I'm not doing it, it's, it's still doing push-ups waiting on me. And uh, I guess that's all I got. And, uh, <laughs>